Chapter 64 Divine Jealousy for the Truth O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth? Jeremiah 5, 3 The first clause of the third verse should be connected with the two previous verses in which the Lord complains that truth was gone from His city and His people, that even when swearing by His name men disregarded it. Jerusalem had become a city of falsehood, Israel a nation of false men. They said, God does not observe it. He allows the speaker of falsehood to go on unpunished. His eyes are not on such men or such things. They are of no significance to him. The prophet breaks in here with his question, his appeal, O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth? Whatever men may say, do you not see it? Do you not abhor the untrue? Do you not cut off the liar? Do you not condemn him who utters error? The word truth in Scripture refers both to doctrine and practice. It points both to the error and the lie. It classes both together. It condemns both. False speaking, whether in reference to teaching or witness-bearing, is declared to be abominable to God. His eyes are upon the truth. They watch over it, to guard it, and to maintain it. The eyes of Jehovah are upon the truth, whatever men may say, and that which is untrue, whatever form it takes, He observes and will avenge. The untrue thing, whatever its nature or object, the untrue word, the untrue look, the untrue private or public act, is not tolerated by Him, though tolerated by man, and though God Himself bears long with it. The theory of many is that God's eyes are not upon the truth, and that therefore a man may believe what he pleases and say what he likes without fearing God's displeasure. It is only when the untrue thing that he thinks and says interferes with human rights or social privileges that he is to be visited with punishment. Jehovah's eyes, then, are upon the truth, the truth as found on earth among the sons of men. One they are watchful eyes. They do not close. He whose eyes they are neither slumbers nor sleeps. There is not a sound, thought, or a word from pen or lip but that he notices it. He who sees the sparrows, numbers the hares, and feeds the ravens, has his eye on all human utterances, all writings of man, books or tracts, all openings of man's lips, in private or public. 2. They are discerning eyes. They are like flames of fire. They search and test everything. There is no indifference about their gaze. They are keen to discriminate between truth and error. They are the eyes of a judge who loves the true and hates the false. Man thinks whatever is earnestly spoken is good. Not so with God. He discerns, he judges, he sifts, and he tests every word, every phrase, every thought, and every plan. There is such a thing as divine censorship, minute but unerring criticism. And three, they are just eyes. They do not make a man an offender for a word, yet they weigh everything in equal balances. There is no overvaluing nor undervaluing of what is spoken or written. Each thing is judged without favor or partiality, and it is approved or condemned according as it is true or false. 
The standard of measurement is divine and perfect. No bribery here, no acceptance of man's person, whether poor or rich. It is just judgment, a just verdict that is pronounced. The righteous Lord loves righteousness. In every sense, he will be satisfied with nothing less than truth. Truth from man, truth between himself and man, truth between man and man. The true word, true thought, true look, true voice, and true tone. In this watchfulness, discernment, and justice, there are some things especially to be observed. 1. There is but one standard of truth. God fixes the standard and acts on it, without whim, partiality, or compromise. Error is a thousandfold, pliable, movable, uncertain. Truth is one. On this God calls on us to act. On this He acts Himself, so that man cannot excuse his error or his falsehood on the ground that there were more standards than one. 2. This one standard is definite. It is not vague or shadowy. It does not merely settle certain great principles, but smaller ones as well. It is so very definite and precise as to leave man without excuse. It lets man know explicitly God's present estimate of truth and falsehood, as well as his future judgment on these. It is so distinct that no one with an open ear and eye can hesitate about it. In our day, men call this narrowness, bigotry, and littleness. But if we only insist on being of one mind with God, he that condemns us condemns God himself. Let us be as broad as he is, but no broader. That is enough, whatever the age may say. 3. That one standard is universal. It is for every age and country. It never becomes obsolete. It is like God himself, unchangeable, like the Christ of God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It was given to our fathers, it is given to us. It suited the East, it suits the West. It suited the Jew, it suits the Gentile also. Barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. It suited the Asian, it suits the European. It suits the Briton, it suits the Indian and the African. It suits the unlearned, it suits the learned. One standard for all. One universal test or measurement of truth. And for that one standard is the Bible. It is no secret standard that he judges us by, or by which he tests truth and error. The test that he gives to us, he acts upon himself. The Bible is his book of truth as well as ours. That book contains what God calls truth truth definite, fixed, certain, not movable, nor growing obsolete, nor falling behind the age. The Bible is the one book of the age, indeed of the ages, of all ages and all countries. Man's present unbelief seeks to loosen its authority, to dilute its statements, and to render indefinite its doctrines. But the word of the Lord endures forever. God is not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23:19. His word is sure. His truth is everlasting. His book is like the sun in the firmament, a light for all ages and lands. Thus God's eyes are on the truth. It is truth that He delights in, 
it is error that he abhors. It is truth that he is seeking for among the sons of men. What a condemnation to the laxity of thought in the present day! As if man were at liberty to think as he pleases, irrespective of God and his book. God watches over the truth. He notes each error, each deviation from his one standard. O man, have you received the very truth and the whole truth of God? He has given man a book for a standard, not so that he may speculate, but so that he may not speculate and believe. What God, in and by that book, demands of men is not criticism, opinion, or speculation, but belief. God's eyes are on the truth to see if men believe it. The day is at hand, the great day of the Lord, when truth only will be set on high and error put to shame. O man, God's eyes are on the truth. Let your eyes be on it too. Be true to truth. Be true to yourself. Be true to God.